Good morning. Is that me or is that something outside? <laughs> oh, it's the screen. All right. Welcome to this first morning worship service here at Ocean View United Methodist Church. It's delighted to see each of you this morning. Welcome to those who are joining us virtually. Uh, you're a part of us as well, and we appreciate your presence. Thank you for that beautiful selection, Greg, and the reminder of what a gift life is. What a gift to be simple, what a gift to be free, what a gift to be able to come and worship together in Christ's name. I'd like to ask Sandra Core to come forward as she shares announcements with us. Good morning. Scripture reading this morning is from John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it ab abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do give you thanks for this beautiful day that you have made. Lord, help us to rejoice and to be glad in it. Indeed, help us to know your joy that makes us want to dance in our hearts and indeed in our lives, dancing with the gratitude that comes from knowing that you have come for our sakes, that you lived and you died. You were crucified and you rose again, dancing in victory over the grave. And help us, Lord, to rejoice every day as we walk with you in that victory. You give us victory over the grave. You give us victory over sickness and disease. You give us victory over pandemic. You give us victory over distress and division. You give us victory, Lord, that results in peace with justice. And Lord, our world needs that kind of victory. Our world needs that kind of gospel. Help us, Lord, to live our lives in such a way that the world recognizes you are real because they see that we abide in you and you abide in us. Lord, we lift those parts of our body in particular, the parts of 
Ocean View, the members and the friends who are suffering, <clears throat> whether it be in body or mind or heart or soul or spirit. Help them, God, to sense your presence, your peace, your love, and indeed, God, your joy, that joy that comes in the midst of even the toughest, most dire times, that joy that comes because of that well that bubbles up in us, that well which is your spirit, that well that refreshes us and renews us. Use this time of worship, God, to refresh us and renew us and strengthen us so that we can go out as your people, bringing your love and grace to this world. We offer this prayer in Christ's name, who taught us to pray and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now let's prepare our hearts and minds to hear another wonderful selection from Greg.
Amen. Thank you. Let us pray. Oh God, you are our mighty fortress in which we can come and seek refuge and refreshing. And we pray now, Lord, that you take this time to refresh us by your spirit, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of your people's hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength, our fortress, our redeemer. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We all have the need to be connected and to be loved. God created us so that we are born with the need to know we are not alone, that there is someone who truly cares about us. This is where our faith as Christians comes to bear in a powerful way. Our faith in God tells us we are not alone and that we are never alone no matter how it might seem otherwise. In our gospel text, Jesus tells a story about connection. He uses the analogy of the vine and its branches to explain to us all that the key to life-sustaining connection is in relationship with him. A story is shared about Arthur, the author, Max Lucado, who tells about a friend of his named Steve. Steve worked at a pharmacy while attending college. Steve's primary job was to deliver supplies. One of his customers was an older woman, perhaps in her 70s, who lived alone in a small apartment in a building about 50 feet behind the pharmacy. Steve would deliver a jug of water to this woman twice a week, receive the payment, thank the woman, and leave. Over the weeks, Steve grew puzzled. He learned that the woman had no other source of water. She relied on his delivery for all her washing, bathing, and drinking needs. However, she could have had municipal water. In fact, it would have been significantly cheaper. Why didn't she choose the less expensive water source? You've probably guessed the answer. The city sent only the water. They did not send a person. Steve's visits were the reason she was willing to pay more for her water. Thanks to the COVID pandemic we are now facing, there are even more people in our own communities who are that lonely. Not just the seniors among us, but we can bet there are children and teenagers, young adults and midlife adults who have somehow become disconnected. No doubt this social isolation we are experiencing these days is in part responsible for the fact that suicide across the spectrum of age 
has risen at a significant rate. Those who live alone, unemployed, and with few or no friends are the most vulnerable because they are socially isolated and disconnected. Do you know anyone like that? Can you perhaps reach out to them for Christ's sake? Perhaps you yourself have felt a growing, gnawing sense of isolation and disconnection from family, friends, neighbors, church. Perhaps you are experiencing a loneliness more deep or more frequently than ever before. We need connection. That is why when God wanted to save the world, God sent another flesh and blood human being. God sent Jesus, born of Mary, yet begotten by God. Christ came to say to us, if you want to find life, be connected to me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Where you and I are connected is the strongest place there is. A popular radio teacher once told about a little piece of wood that he kept on his desk. He explained that he took the small piece of wood from a vineyard in the San Joaquin Valley. The small piece of wood consisted of a section of a grapevine. Out of the section grew a branch. The owner of the Vineyard told the Bible teacher that if two people were to have a tug of war with that section of vine, it would break. However, it would never break where the vine and the branch joined together. The place on a grapevine where the vine and the branch are joined together is the vine's strongest point. The vineyard owner went on to explain, now if you pull on a branch that goes into a tree, it will always break at the trunk of the tree. In a tree, that is the weakest point. But in a grapevine, that's the strongest point. My friends, I ask you this morning, how connected are you I'm speaking now in terms of your relationship with Jesus Christ. To be connected is to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. To be connected requires abiding in Jesus Christ. Abiding is the key to living a victorious, joyful, connected Christian life. To abide is so important. The word abide is used 10 times in the first 10 verses of that scripture. Abide in me, Jesus said, and I in you. What does it mean to abide? I like the image of a tea bag 
and a cup of hot water. When you put the tea bag in, something amazing begins to happen to the water. As the tea bag remains or abides, the water begins to take on the color and the flavor of the tea bag. The longer you let the tea bag abide in the hot water, the more and more the water takes on the color and the taste of the tea. The more you abide in Jesus Christ, the deeper you go into Jesus Christ, the more you experience his influence in your life. You find yourself reflecting more and more of Christ's nature and character in your nature and character. Jesus tells us in our passage what it means to abide in him when he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. First, abiding means studying the word of God. If you want to know the heart of God, Read the word of God. One pastor has put it like this. When the child of God looks into the word of God and sees the son of God, they are changed by the spirit of God into the image of God, by the grace of God, for the glory of God. That is what abiding is all about. Studying the word of God is a premier way God gives us to grow in grace. You may have heard about the little five-year-old boy who fell out of bed. He woke up the whole household with his crying. His mother came in and safely tucked her son back under the covers. Then she asked him, Why did you fall out of bed? Still in tears and sobbing, he said, well, I guess I went to sleep too close to where I got in. That is what happens to far too many Christians. They are still pretty much at the place in their spiritual growth where they got in. They have not moved very far along the point of union with Christ to communion with Christ. They are Christians, part of God's family, but they do not grow up by abiding. Friends, it's all about abiding. Please understand, abiding in Christ is not an occasional hit or miss kind of thing. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, all the days of our life thing. We are always abiding with him until that time when we abide with him eternally in heaven. Until then, we abide with purpose. Beloved, we've got a purpose to fulfill here on earth. 
We've got work to do. Jesus calls it bearing fruit. Friends, we are in the fruit-bearing business. Look at verse 1 again. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. A story is told about Larry Walters, who was a truck driver. You may recall this story. It's a true one, but I think this version is the movie version. Larry's lifelong dream, though he was a truck driver, was to fly. When he graduated from high school, he joined the Air Force, hoping to become a pilot. But his poor eyesight disqualified him. When he finally left the service, he had to simply be contented with watching others fly fighter jets over his backyard. One day, sitting in his lawn chair, Larry dreamed about the magic of flying. Then his bright idea hit. He went down to the local Army-Navy surplus store and bought a tank of helium and 45 weather balloons. These were not your brightly colored party balloons. These were the heavy-duty spheres that, when fully inflated, measured more than four feet across. Back in his yard, Larry used straps to attach the balloons to his lawn chair, which was just a typical aluminum lawn chair, the kind you have in your backyard. He anchored the chair to the bumper of his Jeep and inflated the balloons with helium. Then he packed some sandwiches and drinks, put on a parachute, loaded a pellet gun, figuring he could pop a few of the balloons when it was time to return to Earth. When all was made ready, Larry Walter sat down in his chair and cut the anchoring cord. He thought he would just lazily float up a couple of hundred feet, spend a while looking around the neighborhood, and float back down to earth. But things didn't quite work out that way. When Larry cut the cord, he did not lazily float up. He shot up as if he had been fired out of a cannon. He didn't go up a couple hundred feet He climbed and climbed until he finally leveled off at 15,000 feet. (laughs) Well, at that height, he couldn't risk deflating any of the balloons because he might unbalance the load and really do some flying. So he sailed around for 14 hours at 11,000 feet in a lawn chair. He didn't have a clue how to get down. Eventually, Larry drifted into the approach corridor for the Los Angeles International Airport. A commercial plane pilot radioed the tower and said, you won't believe this, but I've just passed a guy in a lawn chair at 15,000 feet with a pellet gun in his lap. Now, 
LAX is right on the ocean. At nightfall, the winds along the coast began to change. Those winds began to carry Larry out to sea. At that point, the Navy dispatched a helicopter to rescue him. Eventually, they were able to hoover over him and drop a rescue line and gradually hauled him <laughs> back to Earth. As soon as Larry Walters hit the ground, he was arrested. As he was being led away in handcuffs, a television reporter called out, Mr. Walters, why did you do it? He stopped, looked at the reporter, and simply said, a man just can't sit around. Beloved, let's not just sit around in the lawn chair of life. Each one of us has been put on this earth for two reasons. To love God and to show God in our lives. If you are still breathing and are still on this earth, then you still have a purpose for your life. If you are still abiding in the vine, you are still a fruit-bearing branch. A vine starts with little buds or shoots, which are fragile, green foliage. Then the flower or the bloom appears. As the bloom matures, it becomes the fruit. God's not particularly impressed with the outward appearance of the foliage or the color of the bloom. God is looking at the fruit. Where are you in the process of being a fruit bearer? Where am I? Verse 2 reminds us, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I was glad to see in researching our text that the Greek word for take away might better be translated as lift it up. It was explained that sometimes grapevine branches droop too close to the ground. The branches need to hang free. If they are too low, they get covered in dust, which keeps them from getting the sunlight they need. They cease to grow and start to wither and to not produce fruit. To rectify the matter, the vine dresser lifts these branches up by propping them off the ground and brushing off the dust. That way they can hang properly and receive the sunlight that is so essential. Friends, some of us may need to shake off the dust and get into studying the word of God. Get more intentional about our prayer life and really worship God regularly in spirit and in truth. It may come as no surprise that the word of God is God's favorite pruning knife. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 reminds us the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joint 
from marrow, is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The psalmist declares, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The vine keeper uses the pruning knife to cut the branch and to clean it. The Greek word for prune is the same word used for clean. As we abide in Christ, by studying and meditating upon God's word, God uses that word to speak to us and train us and cut out the bad stuff that's in us. Sometimes God uses the word to cut out the good stuff that gets in the way of the best. Like the vine keeper, God sometimes cuts away those things and even people in our lives that are sucking the sap and the energy away from going towards bearing fruit and fulfilling our life's purpose. The great preacher and author Charles Spurgeon said, the word is often the knife with which the great husbandman prunes the vine. And brothers and sisters, if we were more willing to fill the edge of the word and to let it cut away even something that may be very dear to us, we should not need so much pruning by affliction. It is because that first knife does not always produce the desired result that another sharp tool is used by which we are effectually pruned. Beloved, are you facing a time of trial, trouble, or tribulation? If so, prayerfully consider that perhaps God wants to use this time like a pair of pruning shears. Perhaps there is some dead wood in your life that needs to be cut out. Maybe there are fruitless branches or some sap-sucking shoots that need removing so you can grow and bear fruit or even bear more fruit in your life. Perhaps this is one of the hidden graces in this awful time of pandemic. Maybe we are better able now to understand and value the life-giving human and spiritual connections we may have been taken for granted. At the visioning session last Thursday evening, I shared with the church council of this church and the staff, I shared a study of 1,000 Protestant churchgoers in the U.S. That study found that when COVID-19 is no longer an active threat to people's health, 91% plan to attend in-person worship services at least as often as they did before 
the coronavirus pandemic. Almost a quarter said they plan to attend more than they did previously. That's encouraging news, isn't it? I certainly hope that proves true for us here at Ocean View. I believe we miss the fellowship, the connection that our congregational life offers. We miss the fellowship with one another. Most importantly, we miss that fellowship we experience together with Christ, in which we connect with Jesus in our hearts, not just in our heads. Likewise, when we meet together in a study or a Sunday school class with one another, we get the word of God into us as we get into the word of God. Yes, we can do this virtually, too. Thanks be to God for the technology that enables us to connect electronically. But it's not quite the same as being in person, is it? Soon we will be able to come together fully in person for classes and groups again, connecting with other branches of the vine, building our faith, and bearing sweet fruit. A local businessman was teaching a Sunday school class of fourth grade boys. He really wanted to be impressive because his young son was a member of this class. During the lesson, he said, why do you suppose that people call me a Christian? Well, nobody said a word. There was dead silence. He asked the second time, why do you suppose the people call me a Christian? Still no response. Finally, the man paused, scratched his chin, and repeated the question, come on, boys, think now. Why do people call me a Christian? Well, his son broke the silence and said, well, Dad, maybe it's because they don't know you? Friends, when we are abiding, that is, when we know the Lord in our hearts and show the Lord in our lives, doing the work of God, we will bear fruit. People will call us Christians because they know us by our fruit. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, let's pray. Holy God, to be connected to you in Jesus Christ is to know we are loved. We have your eternal presence in our lives. We have your power and your God-given purpose to live out in our lives. We have so much fruit to bear. Help us to abide in you morning, noon, and night all the days of our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
Your love and know the. High- 
Thank you so much, Lindsay and Greg Walker. Now let us receive the benediction. Go forth in the name of the one who is holy, abiding in the Lord as the Lord abides in you, so that you will bear his life, his fruit in the world. And go in the blessed name of our Lord, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.